Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, guys, this is Stacking Pennies presented by Mobile One Big Big show in store, turning the page, new look of the show coming right up. Hope you guys are going to enjoy it. William Byron, the big hat bandit, gets another one, dominates at the Glen Forest Series High, fifth win of the year. I had a wild weekend, crazy archer race on the pole, qualified well, starting the back. We'll go through all that. Pit road boats and woes, and then we're headed to Daytona for the regular season finale. Everything's up in the air. Who's it going to be? This is Stacking Pennies. Buckle up. It's going to be going. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. I am Corley Joy, driver of the number seven Chevy Camaro. Little different. Little different here in the show today. Joined. To my left, good buddy, front tire changer of Ryan Blaney's Ford Mustang, Ryan Flores. Back in the game this week. Let's go. Feeling good? Feeling like, feel, feeling dangerous. Ooh, like a dangerous dog. <laughs> oh, and that's a uh, familiar laugh if those who are listening. Somebody I'm super excited to have on the show. I've been excited since the moment we've been able to work it out for her to be a, a co-host for this thing to just give y'all banging content each and every week. Somebody who I think... Um, very highly of and I love her takes on the sport and I love her perspective so give me a warm stack and pennies welcome on the show for Miss Danielle Trotta. <laughs> thank you thank you I'm excited to be here I listen to you guys every week so when you ask me to come in I'm like easy yes let's do this well now it's yours so if if the show Feet sucks on the table yes what we do if the show sucks you're part of it now. all right cool we have no we have no other excuses so we have I mean, the backdrop is, you know, a little unique. We have Kevin Harvick cars because we are presented by Mobile One, obviously. Right. Uh, we have a sweet Ken Block picture sign over there. Rest in peace. A sweet Richard Petty sign photo and Kale Yarborough journey. And Junior Johnson sign. We need to get like a ran, a big ran, 75 greatest driver swag something. Ooh. Or a diecast car would be cool. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. That would be cool. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So there was... Really and truly, no better person I thought could uh, come supplement the show with us. Uh, you and I have spent a lot of time on on track when I fill in for Larry Mack on yes. Sirius XM, and I hear all the time at the racetrack, people love when I'm on there, the banter you and I have, because we do have mutual respect for the sport. We all both want it to succeed, no matter if it's on the media side or comp- competition side or entertainment side, but we have different perspectives, and right. we can generally talk through that. So I'm excited yeah. to hear your hot takes on the show. And maybe get into a little argument or two, but you're back. I'm back. How you feeling? I feel good. I didn't feel as good as you this weekend. Damn. When did you learn how to run road courses? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, quick quick story. So we get there. It was a it was a deal with with Jeff Spraker, who's been a friend of mine. The my 1970 Barracuda that I'm putting a Hellcat motor in, he has it, and he's doing all the stuff that I'm not capable of doing, such as wiring, and all the stuff. One, I don't have time for. Two, I don't have the knowledge to do it. So it's been over at his shop. Two weeks ago, I was over there and he says, hey, man, I, I've got this car ready to go to the Glen. The guy who was going to drive it backed out. You want some laps and do you want to run this? Would you race this thing at the Glen? I was like, sure. What else am I going to do on a Friday? Right. So I brought him over a seat, checked the car out. They don't race full time. They've had a couple people in and out. Generally, it's not the fastest car, so I didn't really want to publicize that I was doing. I wanted to kind of come in like the Stig with my helmet on, put my head down, and just see what kind of pace we had. Yeah, because last week it came up before the show. Hey, like let's talk about the Arca race for Roots, and you said no. Because it can be an absolute. Yeah, you said I don't know how it's going to go. (laughs) So I'll take you through that. So like 
right off the truck, I think we were second in practice, run two laps, the left front tire starts to like shake real bad. So I come down pit road. Hey, I feel like I either flat spotted this thing, which I don't think I slid a tire. Oh, camber shims fell out. Let's tighten these back up, put a hose clamp on them. Go back out. Okay, we're getting it to drive a little better with rear spring, track bar stuff. And I got a right front shake now. Well, the right front camber shims fell out. Which they fall out there because of the curbs. Because you are just annihilating the curbs, right? So, yeah, if if you don't have a hose clamp on them, they're probably going to shake loose, which they did within the first two runs. We had a minor rear and gear leak. We We had to come do all that. So we weren't good enough to be like race winning car yet in practice. So I go, we throw, I borrowed some spring rubbers and jammed a bunch of spring rubbers in the rear springs, changed track bar height around a little bit. I said, as long as this thing's tight, like I'm going to go lay a heater of a lap down. Simultaneously, after, so after practice in between, we're nut and bolting the car to make sure nothing falls off. Tyler Young's, he's pitted behind us. He's got Parker Red Slap driving this car. And anybody that doesn't know Tyler Young, he owns the truck team. He owns his ARCA team. And he's like a, a Texas boy, funny as hell. He was like, damn, what well, you come out of that gate and you were pretty good. I said, Tyler Young, well, like, I don't mean to, to sound any way by this, but I've got a motor home in that lot across the street and a pretty nice house in Davidson all by being able to drive a race car pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I would hate to think I couldn't like yeah. in the, in the setting that I'm at right now, it not least be close right. to the top of the sheet, <laughs> no matter what car I'm driving. So it's seen. And then Josh wise too. him and Scott speed. I run into one of those guys after practice and you know, they're watching They They helped that Connor Zilich kid. Who's a, who's a wheel man. He was on the outside pole. He said they're watching cars and their timer time and Connor Zilich and everybody else through the bus stop because we were a little bit late to go out to practice. And Connor's like a second faster than everybody through the bus stop, right? Start to finish. And he said they just see the 63 car on the chip, bouncing over the curbs, all four <laughs> tires off the ground. And I was the second faster than Connor. He goes, oh, who was driving this thing? And they like look at time and score like, oh, okay, like Corey's driving him. So that was um, qualifying the pole. And then – we get in the race and it's like kind of raining, kind of not. We stayed on slicks, pull out to a lead. And like, like the third or fourth lap, I go through the carousel and there was a piece of brake duck hose on the race, on the racetrack. And I was like, who's, I wonder whose brake duck hose is that? Like two laps later, my brake pedal starts to get long. I'm like, Oh, that's my brake duck hose. (laughs) And I went down at a 10, like, I don't know, two or three laps before the stage break. And it went to the floor, like Jimmy Johnson style. So I said, I'm done. I'm good. I'm, like younger Corey probably would have wrote it out, but like I am not messing around with this today. So unfortunately, I thought we had a car that could have contended for the win, but had brake issues. But how much did it help you firing off? Like, big. It's time. funny that you talk about just the bus stop there, right? Because you make up so much time just in the bus stop, and for sure they. I think when I watched the broadcast for practice, and I, you, I don't know if you can attest this or not. That's like the only part they showed because yeah. it was so interesting. And you blow your lap there. Like that's where everybody makes or breaks. And you can tell the one time you had a big moment in practice mm-hmm. uh, where you got off into the grass on exit. Yeah. How much did it help you being able to rifle something that's a little bit clunkier four speed than you get into what would be like a sports car on, on Saturday morning with your cup car to Man, rifle I, it off in there? I've been talking about it a lot, but a lot of it's like – well, there's the confidence piece, which we can touch on in a second, but it's like a exaggerated track walk, right? Because it's all relative. Like, you know what corners you got to be early with your hands. You know which areas that you get a little bit of brake shake or a little bit of wheel hop in. And even though it's a completely different car, different weight, different horsepower and downforce, like a lot of the same things apply. Where the bumps are at, where the concave of the, the track is. So it's it's slower. It was like three seconds slower than the cup car. So it's like you get to see the track slower and it's not quite as stressful. So I was able to get in the cup car and just instantly be on pace where that showed because we were second in practice, which is like, holy moly, where did this come from? And it came from a lot of work on the simulators. It came from a lot of work in looking at SMT and learning how to get our cars to drive better. But also just for me, it's like the last three months of road course prep it's like clicked for me like a light switch with uh, breaking stability and confidence into the zone and just repro reprogramming my brain from being like a short track oval guy 
to learn how to do a road course is completely different way of attacking a break zone. So that's what's been a big difference for me. And it's cool to see because rarely in my situations in my career have I had results that show the amount of work that I put on the back end. So to have paced, make it second round and qualifying for the first time in my career, which I would have lost a house that the first time making it in the second round would have been a road course qualified 10th and then we have to start in the freaking back dude when i saw that like bob pockers's twitter like to the rear for unapproved adjustments like lajoy i'm like oh no so no! I, I knew it on on uh so saturday night ryan's like hey great job in qualifying i'm gonna give you a heads up that there is a high likelihood we're gonna have to change left front shock because the seal around that holds the, the fluid is leaking so I was kind of hoping they would just like ship it and then we would figure it out later, mm. but it was leaking too bad on s- Sunday morning to not change. I and wanted to see you start top 10. Yeah, that would have been Days of so vibes. Oh, dude. Cool. Yeah. That's not the answer I was looking hey, at. You. Dang it. Because, right. you know, you look at the rundown and, and GM gives a pre-race report every week of like particularly road courses, but anywhere like heat maps of the racetrack they'll send you of like where to pass, where successful passes happen, where unsuccessful passes happen. And Watkins Glen, there was just all red. Like there's no places <laughs> to pass. And they also rank the tracks in terms of like tire degradation, but like the ability for sec- successful passes. And it's Watkins Glen is the worst for successful passes. And then like infinitely lower than that is all the other tracks. It's just the way it's laid out. Um, with no yellows, you just, you get this weird thing where if you're in a pack of like three or four cars and the guy in front of you is holding everybody up, you can't quite get there or move the guy in front of you. Because then if you move that guy in front of you, you can't pass the next guy. And the next, the guy you just moved out of the way is going to move you back. So frustrating. It was freaking frustrating. Yeah. But I got a, I got a side of my story and it's not about racing. I'm in a good mood career best qualifying effort let's freaking go load all the kids up we're going to the Watkins Glen State Park oh Levi's. I want to hear this Levi's. Denny Hamlin's got a version yeah, you, and I've you, got a version because I heard his version my man's got Levi's got his Lightning McQueen Crocs on we start to the top so there's two different ways you can do it right you can park at the top follow it down and if you're a real man you turn around and go back up or you take the shuttle or you start at the bottom vice versa right so apparently Denny and his family start at the bottom we started at the top, so we found ourselves right in the middle. And I'm walking, like, you kind of walk, if you're walking up, you like looking at the waterfall, which is pretty sweet, it's narrow. Three or four feet in some places, and, like, there's just a constant stream of people. And there's, like, puddles, and some, some places it's super muddy. And Levi's already kicked mud up the back of my legs, on my shoes. So I'm, I'm walking kind of with my head down, but you're also, like, when you're a dad, you got your head on a swivel, like watching your kids and make sure they don't go in the water, right? Like a freaking dead log floating down the water. And I'm watching Levi and I see like pants like you're wearing, like the tight joggers and these nice ass white hiking (laughs) shoes. I've never, I don't even know the brand of them. And Levi just happened to two feet stomp in this mud puddle. And I look at this wave of mud that, somehow miraculously missed his shoes and i was like oh look there's denny i said what's up pole sitter good lap today something like that and he took a good two seconds to examine if there was any mud on his pants or shoes apparently there was some mud on the other person but like a random person or someone in his family some no his family's behind him he was leading the way and then levi just went ham and just just blasted some mud apparently none got on him it looked like it was a monsoon worth of mud went on his shoes. I instantly, whenever I got service, Googled how much his shoes cost to see how, if I owed him a favor. Who hikes in white pants or white shoes? He wasn't, they were like, they were like. Yeah, but he, on his like, podcast, did he not mob. say there's somebody with white pants? Okay, yeah, he that's said that mistake. Levi blasted a lady stomping in mud puddles that had white pants. Like, he was fine, she was not. See, I, maybe my, I bashed my head in the bus stop about 90 <laughs> times. So maybe my memory doesn't serve me well. I don't recall women in white pants in the vicinity. I recall him in light colored pants and white shoes. 
assessing if any mud got on either one of those items. That's that's how my memory serves me. And then saw him again on the way down, right? So we like like this, this, and then we see each other too at the uh, at the Mexican restaurant. I had a day full of Denny Hamlin. Still stuck treat. on still stuck on white shoes and hiking trip. Now, if that's a fair point, I didn't really realize how muddy it was. Well, it rained the day before, and it's a waterfall. It's not completely dry. Valid point. And you're hiking. Well, it's not the kid's fault. No, but it's not like you're going to sit front row at a Hornets game. <laughs> right? Like, hey, man, I'm sure he's got enough shoes where he doesn't have to wear white he, ones. But what he if seemed he... cool about it. Like, he was yeah. like, he said Corey, like, apologized at the restaurant, I, like, felt I really did. bad. No, no, I did because his reaction. And he was like, it's good. His, his reaction from what I saw with my own two eyes was not as cool as he made a sound on his podcast. Okay. Which I appreciate. But in his defense, we've all been with our kids and you see somebody that wants to like talk or be cool. And you're like, Hey, you're just over it. (laughs) We've all been out with our kids (laughs) where we're like, Hey man, like you, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still got half this damn thing to go. That's maybe where he was at. And he's got, look, I'm not hating on his white shoes. He's got enough money and enough shoes, I'm sure, to wear whatever shoes he wants hiking. They were nice shoes. Yeah. If, he, if, if, if you ruin those, he's got like 500 more. I'm sure. he's n- there's some things he's short on, and shoes is not one no. of those things. So now I digress. Where are we at now? But you were just Back talking the about the, the line, getting stuck in lines. It was weird. It was like a – it was almost like a we, – we've always called Watkins go like the super speedway of road courses, right? But it was this weird thing. If like the guy five cars in front of you, like, for example, at the end of the race, we were on the wrong side of the caution. A lot of guys that I was in front of flipped it. So, like, the 38, the 47, a couple of those guys that finished 11th, 12th, 13th, I'm not going to say got lucky, but they made, they made the right call to pit where we didn't, and they flipped us, and we just couldn't pass. Where the two – so I came out, like, 20th, 21st, all the way up to, like, 15th was in a line under a blanket. The two – the 41, the one, the three, me, and then the five had a pit road penalty. What, a speed maybe? Yeah, speeding. So he was coming from the back, and he was behind me for three or four laps. And if I wouldn't have – if I was content to, like, keep him back there, I probably could have kept him back there. But I'm like, I'm going to let him go to maybe make some holes, and I'll just try to follow him. He gets to the three, and they are racing. Their, and now these guys are, like, still the third, fourth car in line. And I'm like two cars back, saving brakes, saving tires, hoping to maybe make a run at them at the end. And the three's on his door, and they're down the backstretch, and they're dooring, and they're racing into the bus stop, and they're smashing each other. Finally, the the five roughed him up into the bus stop and got by him with like six to go. Well, oh, apparently, so this started way yeah, sooner than I thought. Yeah. We didn't get to see any of that so on the broadcast. So the entire time the five was in front of Austin, I guess Austin was just planning on just launching him on the last lap. Because you're just sitting there, like, watching the five and the one now race each other, burning their stuff up. Meanwhile, you're cooling your stuff down because you know your only shot to get by that person is to move them. So I'm, like, two back from the three. We go into – I call it ten, but I think it's six. The last left-hander on the last lap. And the three burns it in there, smashes the three – or the five, and the five is, like, way out. And now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just lift and try to turn underneath of him. And Kyle didn't even he didn't even like make the corner. He literally just drove it straight in the side of the three and spun out. And I couldn't even get it woed up for as much as they hit each other and slowed down. I almost got by unscathed and it slowed me down just enough to the forty two freaking got me. But it was a battle. Which I would have loved to see where we could have ran had we started tenth. But uh Nonetheless, I told my guys in my post comp or post race meeting today that I was proud of our effort on road courses. We've been we've been making it way better. I'm getting some confidence into the zones, uh, just overall like confidence in uh, that I can actually do it. And then you go listen to a, a post race interview in Bubba's. Yeah, uh, you and I talked about it a little bit of like I think some people don't appreciate Bubba's openness. I think that. There's two different ways to look at it. I'm on both sides of it, right? Like I, if you had I'm, to pick one side, what do you want? If I wasn't friends with Bubba, I would have no compassion. Yeah. Since I'm friends with Bubba, I. 
I in, like I like in I'm terms like, okay, of addressing the battles that it, like the self doubt talk. So I think everybody deals with that. Not even in the race cars, on top everybody. of the pit box, over the pit wall. Anybody in the sport has a lot of pressure. And Steve Letart told you and I one time, and I think about it often, and I've thought about it a lot the last five weeks where I haven't had to travel. You don't realize how stressful your job is till you don't do it for a couple of weeks. Mm. And you're like, damn, this is a crazy way to make a living. Well, right? you're, you're sitting there talking to me about all the different brunch spots you're hitting up on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Pretty nice. <laughs> Pretty nice, right? You can get you down the weeds. Milk bread? Do you do a little milk bread? We did a Ruby Sunshine. Oh, they're going oh, to freaking okay. Daisy, yep. having mimosas. Yeah, ain't bad. It's not oh, bad. Yeah. Bloody Marys with you the fancy, crab legs huh? in them. And, crew, and then crew screams and shuts the whole place down, <laughs> no matter if there's two-hour wait or not. But, like, I think it's good to be transparent. But then there's another part of me that's like, all right, hey, man, like, you're building a 10,000-square-foot house for a reason. This shit ain't easy. Yeah. Right? And, like... That's where, and you're compensated for it. So, so I don't know. Like I, sometimes I see Bubba and he's super, he's transparent. And then other times I see Bubba and he's like, it's like he's hiding behind it and he's kind of a little bit arrogant. So like I don't know what's what. Like I think he's fighting an inner battle, and yeah, I, it's gonna do it. If you, this weekend, for him, because we were in the situation of the twelve car last weekend, is a very challenging weekend. Yeah. Not only because you try to do everything you can for your team, but it's also out of your hands for the most part. You have to, like, it's it's going to be a big weekend for him. So, Danielle, what do you think about drivers being outspoken publicly on that wrestle of, like, self-doubt and confidence? I mean, I found that interview extremely endearing. Okay. Like, I was like, that makes me like him even more. Really? Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. I thought it was really honest. I was talking to my parents at the beach about this a week ago, like, None of us, the three of us, understand what Bubba's going through. And you've talked about this before. We will never understand some of the things that he deals with. And you know, you guys know him really well. Like, I can't imagine psychologically where that lives, but all of that, like, hate and that pressure lives somewhere. And I think it would mess with anybody. Like, the strongest of people yeah. could get totally spun out by it. So, I don't know if that affects like what he shares and what he doesn't, but I agree with you, Ryan. Like a lot of people are like, dude, just drop the chip that's on your shoulder. Cause he leads with that a lot in interviews. And I don't know what that is, but I thought what we saw in the interview post-race Sunday was the opposite of that. Like it was so endearing and it was, it was refreshing, honestly. Like I was like, that's a Bubba that's like, could be extremely likable. Like I liked that side of him. Do you think it's a defense mechanism? Like, he kind of leads with that chip on his shoulder at times because he's trying to manufacture a little bit of confidence? Well, I think that you – I think everybody handles stress and pressure and expectations differently because I think – let's just use another example of Chase, right? And I think that Chase oftentimes, for me, he's like, they could run out of gas and he'd get out of the car, man, I just got to do better. Didn't do a good job in qualifying. It's my yeah. fault. We They had to change the strategy up. I put Alan in a bad spot. It's like – there's sometimes where I, I am all about owning like extreme ownership of everything you can do better. But there's sometimes it's like, Chase, okay, like I, I, I got it. Like, you know, I know, like give us, like give us something cheery, yeah. like give us something to yeah. be excited he's about. He's just like not an emotional guy though. Yeah. Like, and he's consistent. He's consistently like that. And I feel like Bubba's like a really emotional guy. And you're going to ride those highs and lows with him. Which. I think everybody goes through the highs and lows. It's just personally speaking, as an as a active athlete, I wouldn't want to put that out there to the other competitors. That's just how I view it, like like blood in the water a, a little bit, right? Because when he made a comment earlier in the year of just like I suck and they something like yeah. to to the I need to, I suck and they need to replace me or, or something, yeah. something like that. Something like that. I, 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 that's not quoted after well, he wrecked out. Yeah, they like mid season. Yeah, they need to find like, somebody need better. To find, yeah, and I was like, bro, yeah, you cannot say that because yeah, that you was... crack that door open and that thing will get opened up for you. Don't hurt. manifest that. No, like that, and that's it. It's like if you believed it, like that was me for several years. I believed that I sucked at road courses, and I just said it. And I, but I also knew I had to put the work in to get better at it. But if I held on to that thought of like I'm always going to suck at road courses, then I will never get any good at. It. So. It, 
it's as much what he go talk to Scott Dixon, right? And he was like, just yeah, stop being a pansy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what that's what he said. But I listen, if you're Bubba Wallace, it's teed up for you on a plate this weekend. Him and him and his team. But is it craft, though? I mean, they've been great at super speedways. Oh, no doubt. But so, how do you race then? Do you attack it? Do you attack it aggressively? Because if you wreck out, then you might be. You gotta lead Hope. these races, dude. Yeah, you gotta lead the super speed races. Like, wait, sure. it's not like it used to be where you can hang out in the back. Yeah. Denny said, because he was asked, like, how do you want Bubba to approach Daytona? And he said, ride Ty Gibbs' ass all day. Like, wherever yeah. he is, you're on his bumper. I think because he, he can't gain points on you. Yeah. And, and the, also, if you're in a, and, if, and if he's in a wreck, a you're in a wreck too. Yeah. And right. hope there's somebody else. In hope the there's front not of a repeat winner. The, but there's the not a first time winner. Perfect person to ask about this is Larry McReynolds, because if you go back to the 1992 Atlanta. Right, that was their plan with Davey, and he ended up getting in a wreck because he was riding where he shouldn't have been instead of running his own race, and they lost championship because of it. You run your own race, and Bubba Wallace is going to have a car that's capable of winning that race and a team that's capable of winning that race, and that needs to be his goal. Go there, run up front all day, and put yourself in position to win the race. Yeah, uh, but if there's 15 other guys, 30 other guys with the intention of doing the same thing. Yeah, but you're—I mean, there is every week. That's a good point. Right, like last, like last year, we went there. Look, you can run around in the back all day. You've you you did it, right? You've ridden in the back, and then yeah, you the can run eighth. Freaking JJ Yelly blows the tire in front of you, and you're wrecked. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, what the hell? I should have, I could have just wrecked in the in the front pack. So you, right, the the only way, the only way. <laughs> Why to, you gonna pick on JJ? <laughs> I'm just because he usually rides in the back. But they finish know. top ten. Sometimes or blow a tire. Sometimes if everybody wrecks. Yeah. If the only way, and it's going to be hard, but the only way to really control your own fate is to be in front of as many cars as you can be in front of all day and try to win the race. If you lead every lap and win the race, and that's what we saw at Atlanta, right? Like, it's hard to get track position now at super speedways. It's not like it used to be where the runs come right. easier and you can just pass guys. Like, you can get out front and control the lanes. If he gets out front with a couple of Toyotas around him, could be could be tough, but it's gonna be hard to beat them forwards. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Your pennies stretched as far as they used to. Most likely it doesn't. Here's why. It took 200 years for the U.S. to print its first $5 trillion. Today, Washington has done that in just three years. The problem, every new dollar makes each one of your dollars worth less, robbing you and every other hardworking American. You can stop this cycle of robbery by diversifying your IRA or 401k into gold, an asset that has stood the test of time. Our new sponsor, Birch Gold Group, has helped tens of thousands of Americans protect their retirement savings with physical precious metals. Now you can too. Get a free info kit on gold right now by texting the word Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, to 989-898. With an A-plus rating, with the BBB, you're in good hands with Birch Gold. So get your free info kit by texting Corey to the number 989-898. Go check them out. Put some pennies in some gold. I I know we're sitting here talking about Daytona and and the end of the regular season, but let's go back. Who would have had... Billy Beard, Byron, five wins on the season at this point. Kyle Petty. Yeah, that's he who did? I was thinking yes. of. He I called mean, him the next Jeff Gordon. It's big. Like, I mean, I was like, dude, where are you getting that? I think it was like last year, and I was like, I don't see it. Like, what? I don't know. Maybe it's coming to like, I know like Jeff Gordon and five wins, there's like a massive leap there, but I didn't see this kind of season coming. But, I mean, he's won. On every very variation of track that we go to, uh, intermediates, Atlanta, road course, short tracks. So when Kyle Petty sat right where you're sitting a couple weeks ago, he said William Byron is a bus driver, where he leads his team. Okay. And the thing that I saw when William Byron got out of the car, he didn't just talk about me and Rudy. 
He talked about Rudy. He talked about his engineer by name. Yeah. He talked about his engineer back at the shop by name. He talked about his spotters. He talked about Max Pappas. He's in it, dude. He's tapped in. No doubt. And he's working with his guys. That's, that is not, and you talk about confidence, right? And how you've gotten better. Confidence is earned, right? You can try to manufacture confidence. You can read, like you said, you can read books on confidence and you can do all that. And that's all good, but you have to earn it by working with your guys and stacking pennies, right? And his, his stack's getting pretty high. No question. Rudy also, when I brought him in, I was like, man, when, or when I didn't bring anybody in, when they brought him in to there, I thought that was an interesting crew chief choice for a place that usually promotes from within. Yep. But damn, like they, William knew he needed somebody and trusted him from working with him in the past. It's the relationship, dude. I'd say it all the time. That crew chief driver relationship is, is like a marriage without the benefits. I mean, it really is like, you're just, you have like, there's the, you're jumping out of an airplane together and there's one, one parachute and you got to figure out how to get to the bottom. I mean, the fact that they get a, at the, at the time, probably a questionable hire, right? Where there's probably a list of guys that are more at the time, quote unquote, qualified for that role, but it was the right guy for William Byron. And if we know anything about Rick Hendrick, he's the best about pairing the right people together to get the most success out of them. So really cool to see William have the success he has. Is he Go ahead. a championship I, I don't know. Favorite. What do you think? Uh, you don't think he's a championship Too early. Favorite? Too early. Too early. We've only got 11 weeks to go. You got no, to... no, no, no. I can't. I can't go well, there. You had, something. you had something you were going to no, say. No, I was going to say flip side of the coin. Like, that's what's like gravy at Hendrick. Like, flip side, what happened to the nine? Like, oh, boy. where were you for, like, did you go back and watch it? Were you like, what? How did that happen? Well. I don't know how that happened either. I, I, First off, AG is a stud. I mean, yeah, one of my favorite people in the garage. I don't know where the calculation of th- – maybe it was three miles it and there was been. a miscommunication and there was three laps because every time we go, we, say, we just say run to the switch, right? So when you are going long and you want to get every ounce of fuel, that way your tank is empty, close to empty when you fill it up you get the furthest distance you can go towards the end of the race and you get a full tank. You don't want to pit earlier, leave some fuel in the tank, right? And then you're just, you're back in your race up. When you run to your light at an intermediate, let's just say so when, when Ryan says to me, Hey, run to your light. That's your switch. That's your, your fuel your light. reserve switch where there's a baffle in the left side corner of the fuel cell that holds like, half three quarters of a gallon of fuel it's enough fuel to when you run out of gas it gets you back to pit road yes and keeps your car running until they fill it up for, that's what that's for generally is. a lap and a half at an intermediate so that would be 2.2 2, 2.6 miles i don't know when he so you'll have a alert on your dash that says fuel pressure low you flip your switch then it runs off that reserve tank and then once you're done with that there's no more gas i don't know when so Chase was the first one on pit road for the cycle at lap 18. He now, so the numbers to get it to the window f- to maximize your fuel load was 22 and 56, I believe, or 55. So he was four laps early. So he needed to go longer in that middle stint to get to his window to finish the race. Had it go, had it gone green. And I just, I, that is not a championship team move no. to miss it by that much. Dumb question. Your pickup on any weekend is on the right side yeah so the reserve is on the left side because the gas gets pushed to the right side since Watkins Glen is dominantly right hand turns the gas is sloshing now to the left side Mm. is that maybe what they were thinking about I I don't know I didn't go back to listen to it's a big miss for a team of that a championship team that's on the fringe right so there is some, there is something there. Even though he said we got bad information, like Alan owned it. Hey, we got bad information here. It's still like they're too calculated to just be like, oh yeah, I, I got, I read yeah, the I wrong text the message. Right? Yeah, that's they are they are much stronger than what they what they portrayed there. But also, I think that just goes to show even the best and the most qualified and the 
and champions in the sport are human. Like you yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. And sometimes uh, you don't carry the one. But like the other crazy thing is like, it's not just the guys on the box. Like maybe you got a sense of this when you were there. Like how many people are in that war room? Like two, everyone uh, back in Concord. Two per team. So the nine has two guys at home. The okay. two, four has two guys. At home. And those guys, they also have a whole nother team scanning everybody else, like making notes on what they're doing for adjustments. Really? It's, I never it's knew a that. different yeah. layer of racing than Dude, just, you, you know, fill that thing up with gas, put four on right. it. No. like <laughs> it's, And that's why Gateway was tough because the internet went out a quarter of the way through the race. So it was back to I don't know, normal racing, I guess. Um, and we didn't have the, the strength of that team on the back end of like to run pit road situations and potentially flip and get a little bit of track position that weekend. But – yeah, they, that was confusing to me for sure for those guys, to of all cars, to run out of gas, right? Speaking of not really having opportunities to flip stages and all that, what do you think about no stage breaks? I, I because I thought don't. I'd like it more than I do. Just like every – I mean, I'm sure, Danielle, people call up on SiriusXM last year, why do we need them stage breaks? Them stage breaks are dumb. All we do is wreck. So now we need jerk reaction. You know what? We're not going to throw a yellow for stage breaks. We're just going to keep it moving. Oh, wait. It's going to run like every other single road course race that's ever ran on our road course with no cautions and one guy stuck in the gravel trap. I don't know what we expected here by taking stage break cautions out. That's the only. Did the competitors, did you guys ask for this? Uh, maybe the maybe the three or four guys that are exceptional road courses made a case, right, to like, Say, hey, if there there was an instance. I don't know how you can remain, keep stage break cautions. What messes it up is the guys flipping it, electing to not take stage points. Right. So you get somebody that's been on the pole, leading the race, comes down because they, they want to maximize their day and take stage points. Now they come out 22nd, and then they get crashed. So I think after two or three instances of that, they're like, well, we need to swing this pendulum back to the competition side a little bit away from the entertainment side and give credit where credit's due to the guys who have earned their track position where I almost feel like what we've done with the restart zones at Indy and Chicago, Chicago and potentially some other tracks that we go to, to strength, to string us out into that first breaking zone would cure a lot of that issue. But you know what else? Occurred? You got to have yellows. It, yeah. You know what else? Occurred? What? All the guys that have the buses and the make a lot of money, like you were talking about. What do you do? Want to wreck each other? Brake pedal. That could help it. For what? Remove the restart zones oh. and change this because, like, like you said well, earlier, there's a lot of a lot of times right? NASCAR has to save us from ourselves. I I agree with you, but like, what what do you do to fix it? I think stage breaks is a start. Like back to normal. What what they just two? Well, yeah. I mean, if you get a stage break, you're like, okay. I get why TV about, wanted to do it. Dumb commercials. How about a tweak? Before, yeah. Look, here's here's my tweak. Bring back stage break yellows. Instead of closing pits two laps early, like they do now, you close it like five laps early. You can still try to flip the stage if you want to, but now you're at a bigger tire disadvantage for the guys that, that do flip it. Let me take it one step further. Give me your tweak. We know how many laps we can run on fuel. Everybody can run the same amount of laps fuel. Just make it three laps after the fuel window or 10 laps after the fuel. It doesn't have to be. So the stage breaks at mile and a half are like court or like 60, 120, and then 300, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be that. We could, if the race is a hundred or say, yeah, if the race is a hundred laps, you can do, you know, 35 and 35 and then a sprint to the end and get past the fuel window. Yeah. But they're like right at that weird spot where you can, shortcut it like and not pay the penalty it, but at but a mile and a half or anywhere else if there's like a tire that gets away on pit road right that's not in the way we let the with everything cycle yeah before we put the caution out which it could be the same way with the stages everything cycles then the stage is over after the cycle we know what the fuel is going to be so if you wanted to pit on lap five right you know there's a caution at lap 35 so you take it you pit early or you pit right before it. Like you could, you could make that parity. I think the the problem is where the caution falls, not that the caution is falling. 
I'll tell you what, being in with no freaking break. Let me let me pull up my whoop data right quick. <laughs> it was, was it worse than kickball? Not as not as bad as kickball. That was a ten thousand calorie day. Sunday was a forty two hundred calorie day. So not super high, but Damn. you are with one yellow break. Yeah. With that nine yellow, I was eighty to ninety percent of my heart rate for an hour and ten minutes. Mm. Average hundred fifty beats a minute max. 175 beats per minute and you're in that for two hours and 20 minutes luckily that was the fastest cup series race since 1971 yeah i'd have fell out feels any longer one yeah really since a 100 mile race at hickory damn i mean i mean bring back stage breaks and some cautions and some crashes and like that'll help the entertainment side of things like you guys figure out the math. Like I don't care when yeah. they, I don't yeah. care the numbers and when you pit and when you close it. That's the com- that's the competition side. On the entertainment side, more restarts, more ability for contact, like more side by side racing. But like I think something that you guys probably agree with and fans probably agree with is like more side by side racing, more ability to pass. Like, I think bringing back the stage breaks is like a good start. Yeah, you re rack it for sure. But how do you get past, you said it earlier, like we're all running the same speed and you're just back there. It's got to be so frustrating. How do you fix that? Oh, I don't, we don't, we don't have enough time, Danielle, for the re- like for that. There's so many layers because people want to say, oh, I'll just take downforce away and give them power. We have less downforce now with these cars than Jeff Gordon did in 1993 before they realized that air actually matters to race cars. The cars have zero downforce. They have a lot of tire on the ground independent rear suspension front suspension like the cars handle pretty good even though they don't have much downforce like you are slipping and sliding around it's not like the cars are just glued to the racetrack but the the margin for error is a bit bigger with these cars where the old cars an xfinity car currently you can wheel hop so if you don't match the revs perfect it'll chop the rear tires and you can miss a you can miss a corner now you just lock the rears up a little bit and then you just grab a gear and then you just keep going. So I don't NASCAR is on the competition side's in a hard in a hard place to be with. You know, they they've got that up down splitter they're trying to experiment with. But when you saw and I I keep going back to the the Tony Stewart quote from Indy, it's like if you want if you want pass it's called racing, it's not passing. Correct. If you want to see passing, go on I four four eighty five and go pass some Crown Vic on the side of the road. Now everybody has the same parts and pieces. And the difference is setup, which can vary quite a bit. But now everybody's starting to learn what makes these cars drive good. So the avenues that was probably intimate la- or infinite last year is like there's only like six or seven ideologies to skin the cat now instead of like a ton. So I think I think Ty qualified last this this week, and it was like one point two or 1.1 seconds from the guy first like it's tighter than it's ever been ever been so when you get 32 cars that are within a second you're talking what is that four or five hundreds per spot so if you qualify the guy in front of you is the same speed the guy behind you the same speed there's really not much that's going to differentiate the two and allow you to pass somebody unless they are really a lot slower than you. So I think that's just also something that like, the fans are gonna have to get used to. And the broadcast has to explain why it's so crucial to run a perfect race because you can't give up track position and expect to drive back to the field. Kyle yeah. Larson can speed on pit road and get back to 20th. You have to be perfect, which is why it's so impressive to see William Byron punch his card five times Yeah, because winning a cup race now is as hard as it's ever been. Let's just transition here, pit road boats and woes, shall we? We got a lot of breakdown. Couple penalties cost some guys the day. Uh, we're gonna break that down. Pit road boats and woes, guys. Right after this. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. 
and I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. For me, race day is a great reason to shut down the laptop, put the phone on silent, and simply enjoy the driving. But Mobile One wants to remind you that you can get that same kind of escape any day of the week. How? By simply hopping in your car, rolling the windows down, and hitting the road. No emails, no calls, no work, just freedom. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Pit Road, boats, and woes. A couple woes on Pit Road. Starting with, McDowell had several woes, didn't he? Well, the first one, yeah, the first one, he drove through too many pit stalls. which Easy to do. That's what I was going to ask you. So, he clipped the fourth one. You're allowed to drive through three. Yeah. He clipped the fourth one, which Peterson's argument on the radio was that it was an unoccupied box, but you still can't do it. Can't do it. How hard is it as a driver when you're turning in the pit box the opposite way? It's easy to just kind of get, I guess, lazy to just like start fading into your box, especially if there's no cars, if it's you're wide open under a green flag stop. It's just like, okay, there's my sign. Let me just start easing over like I'm on the highway. But you really have to be deliberate with going straight and then like making a distinct right-hand turn and a left-hand turn into your box. Because I had, I told myself like I started fading in early and I'm like, ooh, ooh, don't drive through too many boxes. And then like straightened out, went from the outside lane, started fading in. And I'm like, ooh, straightened out in this lane. And then I turned in and probably ran through two boxes, but. Man, it's, that's just another thing. Like a, another thing to the infinite list of things you can do to not win a cup race. Yeah, so you go from also the longest pit boxes on pit road turning in backwards, so it's not going to be an issue at Indy. Right. If you do it at Indy, you have really messed up. Yeah. To the shortest backwards, you think they're short and wide like Richmond is, so you have to get out there. So, you, so they're short and wide, so you have to get out there quickly, which is what – bit them on the second penalty that their guys were over the wall too soon. So these are both things that you're really not going to see at Indy. Two separate ones? Two separate instances, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, then Larson sped on pit road. Obviously, we talked about Elliott's woe, which is, which is huge. Gosh, um, that's a big woe. And, man, a really awkward situation with Chase Briscoe's lug nut that was stuck on the car. I think it was stuck on the, on the right rear. And I don't. I've heard a bunch of different things. Now, I have had this happen to me. To my knowledge, I was the first one that it ever happened to. If you pull the trigger too soon before you are covering the hub and you spool the gun up, these Paoli guns that we use do not have enough horsepower to get them back off. So with five lug nuts, you had to keep the gun spooled up and you'd pop the nut and it'd break it loose. Now it's got too much torque. And if you pull that trigger too soon, we've seen it time and time again. We saw it, oh, like I think, it, most like notably. It, like it gets a running start. It gets it. a running start, and it just, flap, gets there, and it's so tight you can't get it off. We saw it with the 43 last year. Now, what would be, like, the torque on something that's stuck like that? Oh, 1,200 pounds? No, no, way north. Really? Yes, north of that. So, what's, like, breakaway torque on the sockets now? Like, I mean, I think most teams would say a desired torque is 600. I think breakaway torque for most teams after the race is in the thousand pound area. Um, I think that I I don't know like I don't know did the way torque. Like, I don't know did the way they have torque. like the Ugga Dugga five thousand out there trying to get it. They off? did. So you get you get like a it's oh, like a monster. gun that looks like from what I from what it's I gathered 5, from what I gathered <laughs> on people on pit road and this may or may not be true. It could have been going the wrong way when they took it out. Oh, I don't no. know if that's true or not. They had the Ugga Dugga five thousand. I know going that the wrong way. whoever. Uh, was one of the guys on pit road that was watching it was like they switched the button a couple of times. I don't know if they were just trying to loosen it up, but I think if you if you hit it with that thing and it's going the wrong way, that could be really bad. I I think they worked on it for a while to try to get that wheel changed. Was it the first nut that was on it? No, or, I think okay. it was like the last stop of the day. Um, but it's a it's a situation that we've seen time and time again, and 
it we haven't seen it much this year, but it's dude, it's a thing that can happen. I think that call that thing Thor's hammer. If I pull the trigger a little too soon and get on there, I say, hey, uh, bring me Thor's hammer. I don't know how this one's gonna come off or not. Let's just be ready. Or it's the Ugga Dugga five thousand. Yeah. One too many Ugga Duggas, man. You'll be in bad shape. Yeah. So last backwards stop race of the, of the year used to just be once. So you always took a little bit of pride doing the fastest stop, but now we have three of them, and the guys. Uh, Who had the fastest backward stop of the season? The 20 boys will be. Oh, yeah, the, the dogs. backwards the dogs. <laughs> Reverse dogs. The backwards dogs. So we got Braxton Brandon, Jackman. So you don't know this segment. We introduce the members of the pit crew that are the dogs of the week. Okay. And then I've heard it. Okay, well, then. You, you guys love saying dogs. Well, you have to say that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, so good friend of mine. Been a 22 car guy last year. He retired, came back out of retirement. I won 100 bucks because I bet him he wasn't going to retire. Braxton Brandon, Jackman. Dog. Dog. <laughs> Jackson Gibbs, heir to the heir to the Gibbs throne. Dog. Front yep, front tire changer. Top uh, dog. So that is Joe Gibbs' <laughs> grandson, Jackson Gibbs. He was a App State football player. Kevin Jackson, rear tire changer. Dog. Dog. Nick McBeth, tire carrier. Dog. Dog. And... Ian Anderson, fueler, also a dog. Fuel dog. None of the fuel guys got drugged this weekend. I was happy to see that. Love to see it. Backward stops at, at that place are always are always something that can bite you. Keep fuel can safe. Yep. Let me ask you a question. How many races have you been out? Five. Is it weird? Um, no, there's still have 10 more brunt spots to hit in Charlotte on Sunday. So, so I, I have missed two races in 17 seasons. Wow. Um, one for one for my daughter being born and one for sitting close to somebody at a podcast. <laughs> um, Shout out, ma'am. Yeah. So I, I don't, I think like at first it was really weird the first two weeks, but then I kind of just used it as like, I feel like it was like a blessing where I got to spend some time with family. You miss yeah. out on so much stuff. Yeah. And I got to spend some time in New Jersey with my family um, my family's kind of spread out all over the country. So everybody was there at once. So it was nice to get our kids together and then just like spending time together. Like I've got it. I'm not going to sit here and say, I got a heart. I fly out Sunday morning and fly back Sunday night on a private plane. Like being on a pit crew is not like being on a road crew or, or even the drivers have a way more grueling schedule than we do, but it has been nice. Um, you know, you just don't realize, even though you just leave Sunday morning and you only practice maybe you know, nine to 12 hours throughout the week, you you still live every day as a tire chain. Like Saturday, you're preparing, you're hydrating, you're not doing much. So just to kind of ha- not have to do that for a couple of weeks, I felt like was a blessing, but I'm also ready to get back to it. Um, do you feel like you're in race shape? Like what like is I'm it like to shape. get back in? Yeah. Reps, practice. Yeah, you like had like a built-in summer break like F1. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. It's nice. It's yeah. I've, Work you know, that into the contract. One thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah, one thing that's come that's really good from this is like when you're changing tires every week, especially throughout a season, by the time you get to the playoffs, you're like dealing with micro injuries everywhere. Something hurts and you've been just beating the crap. If, if like I, I usually hurt my left hand and you just keep hurting it, hurting it, and it never heals. So we have team, like team, uh, physicians and like we work with ortho ortho carolina shout out to pam who is our pt and i've been working with pam four or five days a week ever since i've been hurt she's like okay we took a week off and then that next week we started with light workouts and different techniques that we could could do and when you go in and you just do a bench press or like you know squat workout you work big muscle groups but when you're hurt and you have to do lightweight you use like it's almost like you train muscles that you didn't know you've had. So I, today, like when I got back to actually doing pit stops, the work I've been putting in with Pam is like with 10 pound, five pound weights. I feel like I'm in better shape than I was You're before. Maxing out these days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 12 and a half, so I'm getting really crazy. Big arm day. But yeah, but yeah, like that, I feel like I'm in better shape and I got fresh legs for the playoffs, so I'm ready to go. Nice. So. Dog. Yes. <laughs> old dog learned new tricks. Oh, yeah. So Let the, the dog out of the cage this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, get back. Jumping over the cars in traffic. Daytona. Yeah. A couple two-tire stops, a couple four-tire stops. What do you think? Yeah, a couple fuel-onlys maybe. I think it's just going to depend on 
where your stages and your cautions fall. And I mean, last dude, the pressure is so much less than it was last year going here with the scrum we were in with Truex, and then the three car gets in, and we got wrecked, and we had to fix it. So yeah, I'm excited to just go and have a have a clean day. And Ryan and our bunch has been so good at speedways. I feel like we should have won Atlanta. Uh, if it didn't get rain shortened, we had a really good shot, but it's, you, you consistently keep running up at the front of speedway races. You're eventually going to win. So something I found super interesting is it's not like you're just sitting on your couch. A lot of the times on Sunday, you were able to, with the intercom system, you talk about literally talk to your team on pit road. Like you're playing Xbox. Yeah. I went in the war room and I popped on there. I, I asked my team every week, uh, cause I chew gum during the race. And I ask them on the intercom, you guys want any big red? And everybody says no. So it's kind of become the joke. So I, <laughs> I went to the war room for Indy, and I uh, they were all getting ready for a race after the National Anthem. They were, like, checking their mics, and I just hit them. You guys want any big red? And they're like, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That you could, like, just talk to somebody. Live, live time. time. But yeah. not all the guys have mic and headset technology, Not every right? team not does, every team. but a lot of teams do now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of teams are, are getting there, like – you know, Gibbs was the fir- was kind of the first ones to have it. Twenty three eleven has it. Penske has it now. In what instance do they come in handy? Perfect example is what happened with the ninety nine car at Indianapolis, right? If they had if they had that, they fix they fixed that issue in a second instead of ten. Mm. And yeah, because they didn't, the right? They right. didn't. They were just waving their hands, jumping around, and there's just so much to be left for interpretation now with one lug nut where you have to know right away. Like if that thing's not, if that thing's not tight, I can scream it on my microphone and our crew chief can tell him to stop instead of waving my hands. Then he's already on the track and it falls off. That's a way different penalty. So yeah, any, it's just the, the split second decisions, any help you can get with that to make those calls even quicker yeah. that's what you see everybody sure. everybody will have them eventually yeah and and they don't compound it's like if you can nip that uh, loose wheel in the butt right when it drops a jack you can prevent it, it falling off or wreck well if it or, falls off on pit road right you go tailing the longest line right if it falls off on the track two laps it's two laps and you lose your guys for a couple weeks yeah so that's and there's there's not a lot of cup ready guys that can jump in dude shout out to joe dilly who's done my job he's 20 he's not even old enough to drink <laughs> Jumped right in, dude. That's crushed how I, it. That's how I felt this weekend on the Arca race. I'm like, I feel like a freaking dinosaur out here, 31 years old against like some 17 year old kids. Yeah, talking about uh, Fortnite. I don't even know what the kids play anymore. These kids don't have these guys don't have kids and a mortgage. No, these not guys, letting them out qualify me. No, ain't happening. I teach you a lesson. Roblox is what Chuck says. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not up on the times. Nope. All right, guys, that's all we got for pit road boats and woes. Ryan Flores gonna be back on pit road changing for that 12. Mustang this week. We got some penny for your thoughts questions coming up right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Penny for your thoughts. You ready? Oh, I stay ready. Couple fan questions. Fro Leash Forty Two. Should NASCAR go to two different tire compounds for road courses? Ooh, I've been seeing this question a lot. I just, just for the sake of wanting to see it, yes. I almost want to do like. Like, if we're going to do that, I would almost want, like, you have to run a set, no matter if it's dry, you have to run a set of wet tires one time in the race. You get so gimmicky. (laughs) They're asking for a gimmicky answer. Well, and they did it one time in 2016 All-Star Race, but they didn't do it right. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of like, blah. It just had different letters on the side of the tire, pretty much. 
Um, it was I'm only worth it. like two ten- two tenths. I'm down for it. I would. I think it would be awesome. What's wrong with What's wrong with that idea? You have to run a set of tires that shred in ten laps in the dry. I, it's not a bad idea. Like it, it definitely adds parity. What? What's your you what's just your like idea? gimmicks. You would have, you also want like a banana peel you can throw out. Spend just, some just one? <laughs> the paintballs. Like everybody old. wants to sit here and fantasize over the best finish in the entire history of NASCAR, Marcus Ambrose and Brad Kozlowski. Well, all I have to do every week is to oil the track down, they can get that. That happened again this week on Chad you know, Creek, called, didn't it? Yeah. Call it gimmicky. They show replays of it every week. Top ten, greatest race of all time. Yeah. I dude, I think all that the track it would be down. What do, what do we talk about? At the highest level, you want to give opportunities to be better and worse than everybody, right? That's what make that's what'll make the sport the best, and that'll that'll give that'll just give another tool for if done correctly. Yeah. Right? Like it, like this weekend, it would have just been too cut and dry. Okay, this run we put the soft ones on. This one we put the hard ones on. But if you have a couple stages and a couple quick races, and there is a there is a tire that's two seconds faster, but you can only run it for eight laps yeah. at Watkins Glen, like, okay, now you're now you're giving your crew chief a chance to outsmart somebody. Yeah. Well, then you'd have opportunities to flip and flip guys that you're racing around potentially. So that – I like it. I think there's a lot of stuff to work through there. And, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like there's any conversations being had about different tire compounds. I feel like you don't hear – yeah, no one's really – there's not a lot of buzz behind it. No. Not that it wouldn't be cool, but, like – Wet weather, slicks, like when it's kind of raining, kind of not. Like I it like that. It makes it interesting. Yeah, wasn't that North Wilkesboro? Like I yeah. loved that. Like I thought that was. But outside of that, I don't hear too many people talking about it. All I want to do is bring back stage break cautions. <laughs> Just re rack it. <laughs> bring them back. Just bring them back. Red Raider fan, will GameBridge sponsorship and better owners' points finish this year help open doors to be able to dyno things in house at Spire? Uh, I presume he's talking about a shock dyno, which we do have a shock dyno. We rebuilt shocks. That one did, that shock did run Indy last week and then did not get rebuilt for this week. So Ooh. I think we're probably going to adjust our processes of um, servicing shocks, I believe, after having that issue this weekend. Um, but yes, the GameBridge piece of that is certainly going to allow us to, to uh, add some people. We're looking at hiring almost 50% of the amount of people that we have now, 15 to 20 people. So that would be huge for us to grow from a 32-person operation to a close to a 50-team operation or 50-person operation. So I think over the next six to eight months, we're going to get deeper and we're going to get a little more efficient. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's that's certainly one thing we're going to – I when I was leaving the shop today to drive down here – like the Olin guy who builds the shocks was at our shop going through what potential issue there was. So we're going to learn from it. We're going to get better and, and not have that issue again, hopefully. I do think that I heard multiple guys had that issue in the race, the same issue with that seal leaking, but they were able to make it the whole race and then have to find out after the race that their shock was low on, fl- on fluid. Uh, but the fact that we knew it going into the race, I guess it would be not wise to just run it and have yeah. an issue and yeah, so we'll learn from that. Keep it moving. GameBridge, they're stacking like more than pennies. They got lots of pennies over there at GameBridge, so I'm happy to have those guys on our side. Yeah. I'm glad they're with not anybody else. It's not there with us. Do you have a penny for your thoughts, questions? Yeah, I do. Daytona, I mean, you need a win to get in. Yes. I think I could point my way. I, th- I think I'm only like 300 points short, but I might be able to f- sneak a couple in there. Who's somebody that you think has your back that would push you to a win? Like, he's behind me, a dog. That you're like, he's got me. Yeah, but everybody's a, just the alpha dogs out there. It's just 36 <laughs> alpha dogs. Like, who's the guy you want behind you? Final lap. There's nobody, but I, I say this a lot. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but, you know, you hear Denny talk about if he had the choice to, to push Ty Gibbs or Bubba, he owns the one. So, financially, it's much better for him and his people who he employs to push Bubba to the win. Right. But rarely ever is there an opportunity in a race where uh, there's a decision A or B. You get to choose to push this person or not that person. Generally, both lines are tight. You 
get paired up with who you're already paired up with. Like, it's not like you can right. like look around like, Hey, slingshot, like day Talladega nights. Like that's not how it works. So I think what I've learned from Atlanta last year from running decent on the speedways, it doesn't matter who's behind you. You have to put them in a position to, th- to make them have to push you. You know what I mean? Where if you leave a door open, they're going to, everybody there is going to pass you. If you leave the door open and you're not defensive. So covering lanes, uh, making sure you keep people behind you, uh, no matter who it is, because there's nobody that's going to be like, you know, I'm content to push Corey here to the win. Nobody's going to say that. Well, because everyone says you need friends at super speedways. So I'm like. Now, people are more apt to work with a bow tie if you're a Chevy, right? Because you're just, you're all week, help Chevys out, help Chevys out. You're hearing that? That'll so if, if there's, yeah. So if there's like somebody shucks a Ford out of the line, you're not going to pick them up. If you're like, you're not going to go out of your way to help that guy out. You're going to try to generally stay in line and just try to shuffle your manufacturer more cars to the front of the field. That's kind of the, the chess game. I, see, I'm hoping though that like Joey Logano would forget that for a second. <laughs> that, like that, push you don't, his you don't boy. No, you don't, you don't know Joey. <laughs> like I could push. see, I could see Kyle Larson forgetting that for a minute and be like, yeah, I'll push Corey Lynn. Right. Yeah. There's, a, there's another, there's another part to it to you, right? Like not, not trying to hate on you, but like if I'm Joey Logano, and I can either push you or I can push Daniel Suarez, right? I would much rather race against you in the playoffs than Daniel Suarez. So I'm pushing you to the win. For and sure. And the 99's out because I feel like I have a better chance yeah. at beating the seven down the stretch in the playoffs, right? I want what or I Ty can control Gibbs. is be right. Yeah, or Ty Gibbs yeah. or my man J.J. Haley. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, that, there, there's a little bit of that, but do race car drivers really, do many of them really think about that in the heat of the moment? No, you just push whoever's no. in front of you and you try and, to win. Yeah, and you try to position yourself to give yourself a chance to win. So, last but not least, penny stacker of the week. So, under pace laps of the ARCA race, I'm warming my tires up. And I get to the top of the S's, that little right-hand turn, that little kink at the top. And I'm like, oh, look, there's a quarter of joy flag flying behind some guy's motorhome. The next day, practice and qualifying for the cup car. I'm like, oh, look, you still got it flying in the breeze. So, Sunday morning, I'm like, Levi, let's go take a golf cart ride. So, I Levi and I jump on the golf cart and went on a mission to find this guy with the quarter of the joy flag. The only one. Love it. I mean, the campground at Watkins Glen was freaking packed. Found this guy. His name was Bruce from Ontario. Him and his wife said they'd be coming there 16 years. Didn't know, didn't ask why he likes me. Didn't, he, but he took his flag down, laid it on his table, signed that sucker. Nice. Thanks for the support. That's awesome. Penny Stacker of the Week, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. I think that was his name. Saw a lot of Corey LaJoy merch. I went to Millbridge on Saturday. A couple yeah. of Corey LaJoy shirts. Love that. Nice. Yeah. Probably available at CoreyLaJoyRacing.com slash merch if you wanted to buy some yourself. And then maybe you could be the Penny Sacker of the Week. But you guys are also, everybody who listens to this is the Penny Sacker of the Week. But this week is Bruce. He's a numero uno. But make sure you continue to, now that we have a new face and voice to the show, and Daniel Trotta asking the hard-hitting questions, you guys fire over with hashtag Penny for your thoughts, give us some good ones so we can generate some more chatter for you guys. Also, like, download, share, rate, review. Tell us what you think about Danielle. Join us on the show right here in Stacking Pennies. I'm super excited. We're, we're excited about the future of what we're able to give you guys for content. So, as always, guys, keep stacking pennies and tune in to Spare Change and the race at Daytona Saturday night. This is Stacking Pennies presented by Mobile One. Have a great day.